Let me read what I'd like to read this morning, then I will get back to it in just a moment after a few opening comments. It begins in verse 9, chapter 5 of Ephesians. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But whenever anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you will walk, not as unwise, but as wise." making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the reading for today. Let me get back to it in just a moment. There is method in my madness. I'm going to kind of speak off the cuff this morning, Uh, not off the record, but just kind of off the cuff, kind of extemporaneously concerning the state of our Southern Baptist Convention. Over a year ago, I gave a message here called Social Justice and the Southern Baptist Convention. I would like to, this morning, give you kind of my assessment and a possible plan for the future. Um, As we began this, just to give you a background, in 2019 at the Southern Baptist Convention, we, were, <clears throat> we passed a resolution which most of the messengers did not know uh, what it contained and what it meant, but it was a, me- uh, a resolution on uh, critical race theory and intersectionality, which was totally rewritten. If you did not know this, there was a resolution that was submitted to the resolutions committee that actually condemned critical race theory and intersectionality that is going and pervading through our society, pervading in our schools. If you don't know anything about critical race theory, please understand it's nothing more than cultural Marxism. It's coming into our schools. In fact, the National Education Association has voted to say we will teach it. Governors across this country are having it banned in their state, and yet 5,000 teachers are continually saying, we don't care what you've done, we're going to continue to teach it anyway, and it's nothing more than modified, glorified Marxism is basically what it is. It's an outcome, uh, equality of outcome basically is what it's teaching. If you don't know much about it, please go look it up, read it, see what the big brouhaha is. Well, it was given as a, as, as a, to, the, to the Resolutions Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention condemning it as a godless ideology. And yet the Resolutions Committee that year that was composed of three members of seminary faculties that teach and believe in and support critical race theory They totally changed it to where they decided that this is what we're going to do. We're going to use it. We're we're going to say it's bad, but we're going to use it as an analytical tool. Basically, what we said was, no, this is not a good tool for you to use. But it passed the way it was presented and the way it was disguised in a way that 
said it was condemning it, but it's not. In fact, one of, uh, a year later, one of the uh, uh, professors of this kind of thing says, we're not teaching it, we're just talking about it. Okay? We're not teaching it, we're just talking about it. Where if you're talking about it, you're going to discuss it, you're going to see it, you're going to do whatever. And we've come to find out through all this, all this time... We have on video, and it's been out, and we'll be coming out in August even again in a deeper way, uh, a video called The Enemies Within the Church. They sent us clips of these things and have on, on record people stating, teaching in our seminaries, people that are in leadership positions across our convention stating their support for these kind of godless ideologies that is invading our culture. It's also invading our churches. So this convention was supposedly, we were supposed to have uh, a big brouhaha. People continued to talk about unity. People continued to talk about uh, we've got to be unified, we've got to do this, and there's going to be an answer to Resolution 9 passed in 2019 on the critical race theory that was at hand. So they presented a resolution called Resolution 2. And the Resolution 2 that passed barely that passed through this thing basically would not mention anything about critical race theory or intersectionality what they did was as they couched it says we deny any godless ideology as being a good ideology basically summing it up they didn't have the backbone to stand up and say this critical race theory and intersectionality is not compliant with what the scripture teaches they wouldn't state it in the resolution but what they kept coming back to was like look the world is watching us the world is watching us the world is watching us we cannot do this we cannot say these things that might quote unquote offend because the world is watching us what had happened was is that they didn't mention it a messenger stood up and said we want to repeal this we want to say you need to mention critical race theory and he was shot down in a very smart aleck way by the people on the resolution committee. James Merritt, in fact, the chairman of the resolutions committee this year, basically said from from that convention pulpit, that convention platform, if we were just interested enough in sharing the gospel, then worrying about critical race theory, we'd have the whole world won to Christ. And everybody, whatever. Well, it was a smokescreen, basically. What has happened in that scenario, dear folks, is, is this. We still have seminary presidents that are saying to us, we deny and we, we condemn critical race theory, yet they've hired people that teach it. And those people are still employed, are still employed by our convention. They are still teaching it. They are still uh, expounding this kind of nonsense. And one of the things that we have to understand is that you and me, through the cooperative program that everybody heralds as this wonderful, great, gigantic, great gift of God of doing missions and doing everything else in community together because we can get more done together than we can do individually, we are paying their salaries. That's where it comes from. We're paying their salaries. And folks, what is becoming of all this is that it's becoming such an albatross that 
we don't have any kind of accountability that is going on with our different agencies of where we're sending the money. We're basically sending money to people that are saying, don't you worry, we're going to take care of this money, we're going to take care of you, we're sending it out, we're doing it all in God's name, and everything's going to be good. Problem is that if our seminaries are teaching this kind of thing, which they are, they're teaching this kind of thing, we have to understand that one-third of all pastors that enter into the pulpit of all denominations, one-third come from Southern Baptist seminaries. That one-third is the next generation that's going to come out and going to teach and preach in pulpits across the United States. What are they going to teach? We have examples of it. If you just go Google some of it, Google some of the guys, the young guys that are fulfilling the pulpit that are talking about that we need to bow down before people and confess our whiteness and proclaim that we've been sinful all these years and we just need to get with it and join and learn to listen to each other and talk to each other and do all these kind of things. Folks, that's nothing more than the radical the radical teachings of critical race theory and intersectionality. And it's beginning and slipping and going into the churches and it's happening within our churches. Case in point. I'll get to the scriptures in a moment. Case in point. We just sent Philip and Angela and three of our teenagers to church camp. One of the things that was problematic within that before we went was the curriculum that was written by a church planter trained under our new church planting SEND, it's called S-E-N-D, director, Dahate Lewis, I'll name his name, basically trained under that, and what came out of the curriculum that was used there, or was going to be used denied by all the leadership, praise God, and they didn't end up teaching it, but it was given to them, and in that teaching, basically there were buzzwords such as marginalized, injustice, other things that were just, what now? Oppressed people. Basically, it was just pages taken out of critical race theory uh, definitions. And so when you begin to read it, it was a total rewrite of what the scripture had to say concerning the Sermon on the Mount. Come to find out, part of this church planting network, part of the sin network, whatever, from Dehate Lewis, we have him on video saying, this is a guy we pay the salary, saying to us, Dehate happens to be black, and he says to us, if we are not being a part of the great requirement the great requirement basically is being involved in social justice and other things and listening and doing all this stuff. If we're not doing the great requirement, we're only sharing half the gospel. Half the gospel. I didn't know there was another half of the gospel. I thought the gospel was that you present that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose again, is up in, in heaven with the Father, and if you trust in him, you will be saved. There is no other gospel than that. But according to these guys sending these young pastors out to plant churches, that's only half the gospel. The other half is a great requirement, not only the great commission, but the great requirement. Where did that come from? Right out of the teachings of critical race theory and intersectionality. And we pay his salary. Other things that are going on within our convention, we have to understand this, folks. We have to understand that over the last two years, 
three years, four years, the presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention select the members of all the committees. And then when people are rotating out, they're offering their suggestions, recommendations. Most of the time, about 99% of the time, those people are placed in those committees. What is happening within those committees is that those directions, those trustees, whatever these seminaries, they move this agenda along. It is absolutely scary to know that some people, even of our executive committee, are on there saying, we have really, really have some questions of some of these appointees. For the last two years, people have been appointed by a president of the Southern Baptist Convention who is woke. Guess what he put on those committees? More woke people. And so what you have is, is a convention that not only has uh, this infiltrated in, now that's infiltrating our committees. So we have got this, this thing, this monster that is growing that I don't see is ever coming back. It's going to take years to get back to the place where it needs to be, to where Scripture is just totally sufficient for us. That's it. And so what we have to do and what we need to do is understand where it's going, what it's doing, and um, what we should do. Now, a year ago, I told you there's three things we could do. We can do nothing and let things go on as they are. We could fight once again to see if we can recapture this thing of what's being overrun, or we could leave. So we have to ask the question, what do we do? Well, I want it to turn... Back to Ephesians, I want us to look at this. If you look at verse 15, it says this. Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Now understand this, I'm picking this out, but one of the things that Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians, if you look at it and you understand the book of Ephesians, He's asking us to walk as wise people, to use wisdom, to do what we need to do. In fact, in the first chapter, he talks about the wisdom of our salvation. He talks about it's God's choice, God's wisdom, and that we are to use wisdom to understand what it means about salvation. We get over into other chapters. He prays for us in the first chapter, second chapter, prays that wisdom would be given to the Ephesians, the recipients of this letter, wisdom. Now he's telling us after all this to walk in wisdom. The first three chapters basically are all doctrinal. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the church. He's talking about these things. Verse, chapter 1 of verse 4, it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. In other words, he is saying, look, guys, We have got to apply what we are and whose we are, and we have to walk in wisdom, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he makes this statement, making the best use of the time. Now, in that, we need to understand what does the word time mean? There's several different words in the Greek for time. The most specific one is chronos, or basically means hourly time, time that is on the clock, the day by day by day. But Paul uses a different Greek word here. He uses a word called kairos. It basically means a season, a measured and allocated time. 
It carries with it this concept as a moment that is especially favorable. And so what we have in different translations, which I believe is probably the better translation than the one I'm reading from right now, is basically this, make the best use of the opportunities before you. In fact, many translations rendered that word, making the best use of the time, making the best use of every opportunity. That carries the connotation from the Greek word kairos. So what we need and we need to understand is, what do we do as a church? How do we handle these kind of things? Well, number one, we we have to walk in wisdom. We have to look at wisdom. But when Paul says in verse 16, make the best use of the time, make the best use of the opportunity, he's talking really about stewardship. He's speaking on stewardship. Now, when we usually hear stewardship sermons, what's it about? The giving of money. You're to give your money to help support gospel things. You're to give your money to the church to help support the church, missionaries, everything else. But he's also saying there is a stewardship of opportunity. What are you going to do when the opportunity arises for you to glorify God and you to be involved in the kingdom of God? That is part of stewardship. And what we need to understand is in the Southern Baptist Convention, we are called to be those who are involved in those kind of opportunities, but also those opportunities are an influence. We are to have an influence over society. But if the Southern Baptist Convention is drifting to a point where it's just taking up the culture and adapting this new religion, and it is a religion, folks, don't mark my word it is a new religion with a new high priesthood that is coming in and taking over these things and we need to make sure that we look at this opportunity that is before us and say is this wise for us to be stewards in giving our money to something that we absolutely disagree with so we need to understand that and walk in that not as unwise but as wise. So we're looking and saying the direction it's going, the direction it's going to go, is it wise for our, our participation? Is it wise in what we believe as opposed to what they're espousing? And folks, it's just not on this level of doctrinal issues. There are some accountability issues that are going uh, unchallenged because they've set it up in the way that it will be unchallenged for example call the southern baptist convention and ask them for the salaries of any of their of their entities you won't get it it's undisclosed they've made it that way they've voted it that way you do not know this but there's email circulating that they finally got from some of the deliberations from an insider who's on one of these committees who's crying out and saying this is very disturbing of what's going on at the Southern Baptist Convention to cover up some of all this stuff that we have one quote-unquote person that is being paid over $500,000 to lead his area. Do y'all get that? I, I don't get paid $500,000, do y'all? $500,000 of cooperative program money and that's just one guy. 
There's a whole bunch of them out there that are getting paid. We have found out recently that the North American Mission Board, our quote-unquote sending agencies, has gone from a $23 million budget since 2011 all the way to a $75 million budget. And yet we have fewer churches being planted, fewer baptisms, fewer church memberships under the direction of this bloated thing. And yet they're saying we need all this money. Well, what we're finding out is what they're buying is that they're buying houses, quote unquote, for some of our church planters. Buying houses for some of our church planters for them. And some of them are pretty nice homes with some of this money. They're also sending people out. Like, for example, coming to the convention. They paid way for all their church planters, all their employees, everything else to come and to vote, basically. Kind of sounds like a political organization. Next year, guess what? The way the Southern Baptist Convention set it up is that we're always going to have a convention that's going to be on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, one in the middle of the United States. We're talking about coming together and trying to say we've got to vote and we've got to do these things to be able to turn the tide. But next year, guess where it's going to be? Anaheim, California. How many of you would even go to vacation in Anaheim, California? Because of the cost. Most of us would not. How in the world, small churches like ourselves and across our convention, which is made up mostly of small churches, are going to be able to send messengers to be able to vote down some of this nonsense out to a place that's really expensive to, do, to go to? How many of them can do that? Lo and behold, the North American Mission Board, though, can. With that new $75 million budget, they can send all their employees out. Expense-free. Send them out, do all these kind of things. We've seen some other things that have been happening, and it just doesn't bode well in stewardship. It just doesn't bode well. So, folks, I want you to understand this, that if we're going to walk in wisdom, we're going to look at the things that are happening, what do we need to do, what do we need to be, we, we just be an honest assessment about this thing, is this, if we're going to take verse 16 through, we need to make the best use of the opportunities that are among us, with us, because the days are evil. Here's what I'm thinking in this. What would be some of the opportunities that we could have? If, what if our church voted to leave the Southern Baptist Convention? This is just what if. What if? I bet you most of you would probably have to take half a baby aspirin to get to sleep tonight. You know, concerning this. It's going to upset you that much, okay? The other thing is this. The opportunities, what are opportunities that do we have? Well, here's what I've been thinking. The opportunities is this. We give 7% to the Southern Baptist Convention or to our state convention that sends on 50% of it. We give 3% to our association for 10%. We also support two pastors out in Oregon, uh, those you know, of $750 a month out there. What this would allow us to do if we decide as a church, as a church body, guys, we don't like this direction. We're going to move in this direction. It gives us an opportunity to be personally involved in missions. We like to use the mantra, we are personally involved because we send 10% of our money this way. 
that's just a better way of saying, hey, I'm going to give it to you. You go do it. You go do it. I'm going to give it to you. You go do it. What we can do, in other words, we can say this will give us involvement that we can take some of those monies and pour it into local things and move from local out to larger, out to larger. We could continue to support those missionaries, those pastors out in Oregon, and we can pick up some more support of missionaries that we know what they believe and what they teach. Folks, we're sending out missionaries every year, and do you know any of their names? Have you read any of their names? Do you know any of their beliefs? Do you know what seminaries they graduated from? Do you know whether or not they're going to continue to teach this social justice stuff? Do you know anything about them whatsoever? You don't. But we brag. Yes, we send all these missionaries out. What are we getting? What are we getting? What's going to happen there? We don't know. We really don't know. We're just trusting a bunch of bureaucrats to tell us, oh, these are good guys because we vetted these guys. What does that mean? Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. Now, is it great that we're sending out missionaries? Absolutely, we're sending out missionaries. It's great. But it's even better, I believe, the opportunity at hand is to be able to know exactly where our money is going and what it's being used for. I think you would want to know that, wouldn't you? I would think you would want to know that. Let me give you a case in point. We've talked about this cancel culture and all these other things. We've been doing it for years, folks. Different people have been doing it for years, especially Christians, because it tells us don't be unwise. If you learn that an organization is giving something away that you're supporting but is supporting other things that are contrary to biblical issues, if you find that out, are you going to continue to give to that? organization you would not you basically canceled them right it's been going on for example back in 2004 the or back in 2003 excuse me american family association printed an article about starbucks come to find out starbucks corporation is the second leading provider for funds for gay pride parades now i have that knowledge before me Since I have that knowledge before me, I said, well, I kind of like some of their coffee, but if they're going to give away some of their funds to something that I believe that God detests, he doesn't whisper about it, as some have said in our convention. He speaks very out loud about the condemnation of homosexuality, which is basically called perversion. I'm not going to support it. So 2004, I quit going to Starbucks and supporting Starbucks. And so I put that little ad, that little information in our bulletin. And I said, by the way, here's a little ad taken home. This is what's happening when you give your money. This has been made known to us. So therefore, I am choosing not to support them if they're going to support this. I can go somewhere else and get my coffee or make it at my house. The next morning, I had a lady come in. The office was standing talking to my secretary and she had a large mocha latte from Starbucks and she looked at me and she goes, Pastor, look here, I got this. I don't care what you say. So I said, do you have $5 on you? And she said, yes. I said, can you get it out? And she 
She pulled it out. She said, why? I said, I want you to take that $5, go find a homosexual, give it to him and say, have a nice parade. Because that's exactly what you did. Why don't I just go ahead and give it to him? And she got huffy and puffy and walked out and tried to blow the church down, but it didn't happen. But the point is this, is when you learn something like this, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make, what you're going to support, what you're not going to support. I, I know this is, this is terrible to think about, but I don't go shop at Target. As soon as they announced they're going to allow men into women's restrooms, I said, this is the last time they will get any money from me. That's just kind of how I roll. It's just, you know. Now, I don't know everything. There's probably things out there that are going on that we buy that we don't know what they're giving to, anything else like that. As long as I don't have that knowledge, I'm understanding, you know, okay, I'm doing this in a good conscience. But if when I know it, when I know it, and it's going to things to support that are unbiblical and ungodly, then I try to stay away from that. So folks, understand this. In this same way, if we're going to be using this kind of curriculum, this kind of things that's talking about as analytical tools, whatever, we need to understand, is that the wisest use of our money? I don't think so. I think that we can do better by finding organizations, finding people who have like beliefs, like theology, like doctrine, and support, take that money and support those people. We can also take part of that money and say, let's look at local missions. What can we do in our community that will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in helping people? That we start here at home. What can we do? One of the ways, and here's another thing, and you're going to hear a report if you stay at our business, uh, business meeting. One of the ways is to support the, church, the school that the church voted on starting that's one of the ways you can do that, that we can provide and have an influence over the lives of young children, teaching them a Christian, biblical worldview. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you one thing again. Vody Bauckham says that you're going to send your kids into Rome. Do not be surprised if they come back Romans. Understand where the educational system is going. Now, I understand you teachers... Don't be getting mad at me. This is, not, this is not something you're doing. It's something those higher above you are trying to do and trying to get them into those uh, into little minds, to corrupt those little minds with all this nonsense. We've got to take a stand and say, no, we're going to do something different. So one of those ways is take some of that money and put it into school so they can expand and that we can have a beacon of light here in this area. Where else is there a Christian school in the Tarkenden area, in the Shepherd area, in the Splendor area? Where else is there a school that will teach those Christian principles? We need it here. We voted to do so. We can get behind that and do those kind of things. So there is opportunity. We just need to pray and consider what are those opportunities? So here's the challenge, folks. Here's the challenge. We're to walk in wisdom. What's the wisest thing to do at this time? Where is the opportunity before us? What are those opportunities to look at those? Why? Verse 16, the days are evil. 
and then verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. That's what, exactly what he says. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And that is for us. Go back to verse 1, chapter 5. Listen to what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitators of God. Following his righteousness. Following his love. Following his forgiveness. Following all these kind of things. And being imitators of him. That includes stewardship over the opportunities that God gives to us. So my concern, my thoughts are as, of, as your pastor, I think there's better opportunities. I really do. I think there's better opportunities for us to be involved in a local level. I think there's opportunities for, for us to be involved in supporting of other missionaries. I think there's opportunities for us to be involved in supporting our school. I think there are just better opportunities in using God's money in ways that would imitate God. I really do. So with that, I ask that you kind of stick around and let's discuss some of it at our business meeting afterwards. Let us give it prayer for consideration and that we would walk wisely. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the breaking of the word of God. Help us to be wise and not foolish. Help us, O Lord, to be imitators of you. And Father, I pray that you would would, uh, enlighten us, give us discernment as Paul prays for the Ephesians to have their hearts open to your wisdom and your understanding that we would know you more fully. Help us to know these things, O Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.